on this episode of Harvard Business Beat. One of the most touching stories I have from a walk was probably the last walk pre-COVID. We had a woman who was a caregiver, not only for her husband with dementia, but for her daughter who had a chronic illness as well. Her daughter Friday night had ended up in the hospital in the ER. And I get this email at like 4 a.m. on Saturday morning saying, I really wanted to be at the walk. Not sure we'll be there, but um, my daughter was in the hospital all night. We just got home, but we're going to do our best to be there. Why she felt at 4 a.m. she needed to let me know she was going to be there, I'm not sure. So fast forward to walk. Walk starts. She, her husband, and her daughter come to the walk, and she's part of one of our local support groups. And this woman had to have been exhausted. And so her support group took her husband and walked to the walk group with him. And she sat in the stands just resting. And it was so impactful because it just showed the village it takes to be a caregiver. Welcome to Harford Business Beat, featuring members of the Harford County Chamber of Commerce, sponsored by Harford County Living, bringing you all the good positive news, businesses, events, organizations, people, and just everything great here in Harford County. Go to HarfordCountyLiving.com and find out more. I'm your host, Rich Bennett. Let's go meet some members of the We chamber. are sitting here with the queen of trivia. <laughs> <laughs> Which it's because of her that we no longer do the happy hour trivia because she was just whipping everybody. We just gave up. You know you did. You did that to us, Nicole. You chased it. You chased Doug and I away. I still, you know what? We are like how far out of pandemic and we need to get back together and do an in-person. We could be a team. See, that would be, we'd be the chamber team for trivia. I I told Natalie, or asked Natalie, that (laughs) she needs to, you know, do the happy hour trivia. But I'm afraid that Natalie might not know, like, 60s and 70s music. It's a little, (laughs) yeah, a little before my time. Well, I know it's a little bit before your time, but, you know, it was before my son's time, too. But he knows it. God. Anyways, we have speed. we have Nicole Gorski from the Alzheimer's Association. <laughs> oh God, I have... deep breath, deep breath. <laughs> so, how you been, Nicole? It's good to see you. I it's uh, been it's been months. It has been months, and um, I'm doing really well. Very busy, like everyone else, um, but busy in a good way. So, we're happy about that. Well, I, I, before we started, you said that. In a way, you hope you're never busy, but you know you're always going to be. You yes. Know, uh, I mean, all, to me, it seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but Alzheimer's is on a rise. Oh, definitely. Okay. Um, unfortunately, and I'll, I'll preface everything by saying for those listening who are um, – impacted by any form of dementia. We were founded as the Alzheimer's and Related Dementia Disorders Association back in 1980, 
but that doesn't fit on a business card. So mm-hmm. we called ourselves the Alzheimer's Association. And we do support people with all forms of dementia, but Alzheimer's is the most common form. I was going to say, doesn't dementia also lead to Alzheimer's? Or is it a form of Alzheimer's? So, um, so actually, Alzheimer's is a form of dementia. Oh. Dementia is the umbrella term for a collection of cognitive symptoms. And underneath that umbrella of dementia is Alzheimer's dementia, which accounts for 60 to 80% of all dementia. Mm. Um, frontal temporal lobe, which is the one that a lot of people are aware of now because Bruce Willis was diagnosed with that. Um, there is Lewy body. Um, there's Parkinson's dementia, which is dementia specifically related to Parkinson's mm-hmm. disease. There are uh, just a large number of types of dementia and people can also have multiple dementias but also we we focus on alzheimer's because alzheimer's is the most common. right and how long have you been with the alzheimer's association i have been with the alzheimer's association for almost seven years seven years okay now within that seven years have you seen a lot of i guess progress in the research um we have um it's the brain is a really difficult thing mm-hmm. to study, and the the fact that we are only recently have the technologies to study it um, before people pass, because that's how it used to be yeah. to get an Alzheimer's diagnosis was when someone passed and they did an autopsy. Now there are PET scans and a lot of other ways people are working to look at the brain and look at the impacts of um, different things on the brain, but we are seeing progress in medications. Currently there are no, there up to about two years ago, there were no drugs that actually, um, impacted the disease itself. They treated symptoms. Mm. Um, we have two drugs out now, aducanumab, adjahelm and, um, locanumab, and they both help to stop progression of Alzheimer's disease because they stop the buildup of plaque. Um, unfortunately, neither of those drugs currently are being covered by the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. So we have two drugs mm. that can help people in early stage and they are not being covered. Um, so that's a big focus for us right now is legislatively working to try and push through coverage for those diseases because basically both of them are designed are those drugs that both of them are designed that they have to be given within a very specific period of time after the onset of the disease and if they are not they will not be effective and you know what it comes down to is they may not be the best drugs out there that's part of the question Mm -hmm. that exists but they can give somebody with Alzheimer's disease more time and who doesn't want more time with their family, with their loved ones, with the person who they currently are. Well, and that's just it. I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with Alzheimer's, there is no cure. So if you can give the people more time, isn't that what it's all about? It is. And we are hoping eventually that, they will see that yeah. and cover these drugs because right now they're only available to people who can afford them. But with that, I will say there's a lot of research 
And one of the things I'm proudest of with the Alzheimer's Association is we are the third largest funder of research into Alzheimer's and dementia behind the U.S. government and the Chinese government. And so yay for us. Wow. That's awesome. Um, the sad part is when you consider the size of the organization, that means there are not enough people funding research because we should not be able to be the third largest funder. Right. We should have these big entities wanting to fund research. But one of the things that we do do is we're part of an initiative called Park the Cloud, which is in conjunction with the Gates Foundation. And we are funding sort of, I guess you kind of call it incubator research. It is government funding goes, there's a significant amount of government, government funding. It goes to well-established studies. Mm-hmm. It goes to more traditional studies and more traditional um, universities and other research facilities. But there is so much research being done by these small sort of entrepreneurial research scientists who are taking a study that was looked at and going, this little piece, if we if we focus on that little piece, maybe we can find something new. Right but they don't get the big funding. So as part of Part of the Cloud, we are funding basically these small research studies. And I believe there are over 200 being funded right now across the world. Wow. And we're really hopeful that these small projects, these very specific projects lead to some breakthroughs. So we're, we're super proud of our ability to be part of this organization and this set of funding. Because it's not something that everyone does. Right. Right. Speaking of funding, because um, mm-hmm. you guys are a 501c3, correct? We are a 501c3 organization. Which means people can donate to you. People can donate to us. And, and we love people who just say, here, take my money and do with it what you need to. <laughs> we love those, those people. Those are our favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but... We also have opportunities for people to get engaged in um, a lot of different ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, As every other 501c3 does, we do fundraising. Our signature fundraising effort is called the Walk 10 Alzheimer's. And as much as it is a fundraising activity, we also like to call it our the world's largest support group. Um, It is. This year being held, our local one will be held at Ripken Stadium on Saturday, October 7th. Um, starts Start time is 9 a.m. October? And October 7th. Didn't it used to be in September? Or was um, it always in October? It's always been October. Okay. Um, we've moved around some dates in October, but we've now decided to try and keep the early October date. Right, okay. Um, for consistency. And... Um, there is no fee to register for the walk. We do this because we want everyone to be able to participate and not have a financial barrier. Because I will say one of the most touching stories I have from a walk was probably the last walk pre-COVID. We had a woman who was a caregiver, not only for her husband with dementia, but for her daughter who had a chronic illness as well. Her daughter Friday night had ended up in the hospital in the ER and I get this email at like 4 a.m. on Saturday morning saying, I really wanted to be at the walk. Not sure we'll be there, but 
Um, my daughter was in the hospital all night. We just got home, but we're going to do our best to be there. Why she felt at 4 a.m. she needed to let me know <laughs> she was going to be there, wow. I'm not sure. So fast forward to walk. Walk starts. She, her husband, and her daughter come to the walk, and she's part of one of our local support groups. And this woman had to have been exhausted. And so her support group took her husband and walked to the walk group with him. And she sat in the stands just resting. Wow. And it was so impactful because it just showed the village it takes yeah. to be a caregiver. So I just get choked up on that story. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no, that's okay. That's incredible. Nicole, you know I love those but, stories. <laughs> <laughs> but it really is. So the walk, that's that's the atmosphere we really work for on the walk. We we are there to raise money because we need funds for those support services that we offer locally. We need support for our an, legislative initiatives, and we need support for our research. Mm-hmm. But we also want to be there because we want people to feel like they can come to a place and talk about their struggles and their challenges. Um, And if walk is not your thing, we do have a second initiative called the longest day. And it's, um, we, we talk about the longest day, as you know, the longest day is the summer solstice, the day with the most light. And we say, we, we use this initiative. We are inspired by the light of the longest day to outshine the darkness of Alzheimer's. It's, it used to be that activities took place in June. Now activities take place for people year round when it works best for them. They do something they're passionate about and they use it to help raise awareness and funds. And it's everything from backyard barbecues to full on golf tournaments to, I had some guy drive the beltway from sunrise to sunset one year. Mm-hmm. That was what he did for his fundraising raised about $400 or so. I'm not sure if he um, spent $400 in gas or not. <laughs> I was going to say, nowadays, it would probably take you from sunrise to sunset <laughs> yeah. just to go around the Beltway. <laughs> but, um, but so it was really just kind of something fun and something different. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. what we look for is these ways that people can help take the cause and elevate it so that, People recognize it's out there because that we know is one of the biggest challenges with Alzheimer's and dementia diagnosis. We still are not in the public space with it. Mm-hmm. People are still not comfortable with that diagnosis. People tell you they have cancer right up. They're cancer. They are diagnosed with, or they're a cancer survivor. People won't tell you they have dementia. And we want to help break that stigma because you can't get help if you don't talk about it. Right. And the other myth that mm-hmm. a lot of people believe this is something that you only get when you get older, which because mm-hmm. you always hear people say old timers disease, which it is not. Mm-hmm. So explain to everybody. It doesn't age doesn't there is no age limit when no. it comes to this. Alzheimer's does impact everyone. And sadly, there was just an article recently about a 19 year old in China who they believe actually has Alzheimer's disease. Wow. Um, And that's a very, very rare case. But we are seeing more um, diagnosis of 
younger onset and um, early onset dementia, it is still true that it affects more people. Your risk of cognitive impairment increases as you get older, but we're seeing more people in their forties and in their fifties and sixties with those early diagnoses. Mm-hmm. Um, two pieces about that is one: we think people are actually talking to physicians a little more when they start to see some issues with cognition. They hopefully are more willing to have a conversation with their doctor. Um, But also I think people are recognizing the signs themselves. Um, We are seeing more people who kind of go, hmm, I'm having some trouble with this, or I'm having some trouble keeping my checkbook balanced, or I'm having some trouble remembering directions on driving. And we don't want to scare people and say, the minute you have a cognitive issue, you must have dementia. But we also want people to know what's normal aging and what's a concern. And that's where our education programs come in because we can help people recognize what normal aging looks like, when to sort of say, maybe this is a conversation with our doctor, and to really just encourage people to make this part of a regular well check. Yeah. That, um, you know, you test your blood pressure, you test your heart, you, they, you know, look in your eyes, they look in your ears. It's only very recently that they've started asking, how's your memory? How's your brain? And we need that to be that normal conversation at 30, mm-hmm. at 40, at 50, because again, we see now we have treatments that can impact early stage. So we need people to know earlier so we can provide them help until there's a cure. Right. Mind if I ask you a personal question? What's that? Okay. So since I met you, mm-hmm. your passion for us, seriously, I mean, you, you have a true passion for what you do. You, you believe in it 110%, which I mm-hmm. love. What made you decide to, since you've only been there seven years, what made you decide to go to work with the Alzheimer's Association? So I will say I'm a 32-year nonprofit employee, and I've only had I've only had three positions in my life. I started in the Wilderness Society in Washington D.C. So that's my other passion is public lands. Wow, I love outside. But um, when I had my third child, commuting to D.C. from here became untenable. So mm-hmm. I left that job, went to work for Catholic Charities in their Child and Family Services division, which focuses on mental health on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. on um, children and families. Unfortunately, that position was eliminated. And at the time that was eliminated, this job came up. And it just happened to be a wonderful transition because my father had recently been diagnosed with vascular dementia. So... Wow. I've, I've kind of worked passion. I've been fortunate to be able to be passionate about where I have been um, right. and, and to be able to carry that passion through to what I do every day. Now, something very important. Yes. Tell, tell everybody the website so they know where to donate. Oh, right. Or volunteer. Or volunteer, yes, because mm-hmm. we love volunteers. And I will say we are a volunteer-driven organization. So we cover 
eastern shore to Allegheny down through Howard County in our particular chapter. We're a chapter of a national organization. Um, and we deliver education and support programs throughout that entire footprint. And we have 20 staff members. So in order to do that, we are volunteer led. So we encourage people, if you are passionate, if you have had a connection with Alzheimer's or dementia, and you are interested in getting involved, we have opportunities for education, support group facilitators, um, all kinds of opportunities. And you can find all of this at alz.org forward slash Maryland. That will take you to our chapter landing page. Also has all of our program resources, education programs coming up and all kinds of fun information. Love it. So that means get on there, volunteer. And exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to so, encourage all the chamber members too. Like yes. one of the best parts of having nonprofits as chamber members is being able to get connected with all these, you know, for-profit businesses mm -hmm. that can help volunteer, donate, get involved, sponsor an event or something like this. Um, I always love, I get to see Nikki on a regular basis at Coffee and Connections exactly. and I love it. Um, but I love, uh, go ahead and always, that in. Right? <laughs> right. I just, I, I mean, I love Nikki's energy and, <laughs> and her passion, like we already mentioned, but um, I love it when we come to Coffee and Connections and she introduces herself she always asks, you know, how many people in the room have been impacted by Alzheimer's or dementia. Yeah. And I'm always amazed because almost every single hand in the room goes up. And I, it's just, it's one of those things that, like you said, like people don't really talk about it, but it impacts almost everybody, it, either a friend or a family member, a loved one that's been impacted. So I guarantee you that probably everybody listening right now has, knows someone, mm -hmm. um, that has it has been impacted and they can get involved and so i just wanted to make that little that little plug that you know we're all in this together it impacts yeah. everybody like let's step up to the plate and and get walking here yeah, and i will say the other the other opportunity that the chamber has allowed for us is um we know that in the workforce when someone moves into that caregiver role work can become a real struggle and if mm -hmm. employers are not aware of what their employees are going through and are not able to help provide supports or, you know, enter into a conversation to say, hey, I noticed you're coming late regularly or you got to step out early. What's going on? How how can we support you? They lose that employee. And when you've invested, we know women bear the brunt of caregiving. And if you've had an employee who's been there for 15 years and suddenly is in the role of caregiver and has to come in later, has to leave early because they've got to work the float between when their in-home provider gets there and has to leave. They're losing an enormous resource, not just yeah. the person, yeah. the time they've invested in that person, the knowledge that is with that person. So our goal is to help employers understand that they are, they potentially have employees, given the numbers that we see when people raise their hand, they have employees who are in this position and we have resources that can help them. We, the chamber has been wonderful in helping us to share out our education resources. They're offered free. 
They're offered by a staff member or an educated volunteer. We train all of our volunteers to deliver our programs. And I will just share, we did a um, virtual lunch and learn with a company. And we probably had 15 people on it. It was a local company in Bel Air. We probably had 15 people on the call. And we had two people on that call who clearly were struggling. And three other employees stepped up and said, oh, I've been where you are. I've been through this. Contact me. Mm -hmm. And they're creating their own employee support group within that company yeah. because we helped open that conversation. That's great. And so we are so grateful that the Chamber's given us the chance to spread that word about this and to help people not have to step out of where they are and, and just leave going, nobody's going to understand. Employers do understand, and employers are interested in helping. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. So and with the Chamber, yes. what is, besides meeting me, <laughs> what is one of the great... What is one of the greatest benefits that you have gotten from the chamber? I think really it's just the opportunity to connect with a lot of local businesses in a single place. These coffee and connection opportunities, the networking at night, the you know luncheons and dinners that happen. These opportunities give us that space to meet with a whole lot of people that if I were trying to do cold call emailing or cold call calling or stopping by and doing drop-in, I would never have that access. So the chamber gives mm -hmm. me the access to share my information with people, to let them know what we can offer. And it gives us that credibility as a chamber member. We're not just right. coming in and going, oh, hey, you know, we feel it's important to be a chamber member. I don't want to just come to a Coffee and Connections as a guest and say, oh, I'm here and here's what I have and that's it. I want to be able to know those people and be able to provide a support for them and also make other connections for those, employee, for those employers and businesses in the area. And it's really important because we are part of the community. We may not be brick and mortar yeah. here but we are part of the community and we want to make sure the chamber helps people know that we are not just here to take, we're here to give. Are you kind of shocked that you don't see more nonprofits as members? Um, I think oftentimes the challenges vary financially with some nonprofits if they're smaller. Um, mm -hmm. And that is sure. that can be a challenge. But I, I also think a lot of nonprofits, particularly smaller ones, they're so in the weeds with the day to day operation that they don't they, they don't have time to come up and recognize how valuable connecting with community is that sometimes you're so right. focused on moving that mission forward on a daily basis. Um, and having been engaged with a number of small nonprofits, I know that's the challenge. They have limited staff, limited resources, and a huge mission. They got to figure out how to make it move. And sometimes it takes a little time and a step back for them to say, you know what? If I go do this with the chamber, I can find people to help me do this. 
to help me move that mission. Thank you. Yes. So I think that if mm-hmm. if nonprofits are hesitant about getting engaged with the chamber, uh, they need to kind of take that step back perspective to really say, mm-hmm. where am I lacking? And if I engage with the chamber, can I find people to help me fill this? And I think they will, right. because this is such a great community. I've got to say, Harvard is such a wonderful giving community. And there's a lot of wonderful charities out there to give to. But everybody has their own priority. I don't feel like we compete with other mm-hmm. nonprofits. I feel like we work oftentimes in synergy with a lot of nonprofits. I mean, right yeah. now I'm talking with people with two nonprofits that work with people with disability because we know that there's a correlation between Down syndrome and earlier onset dementia. And so we're talking about doing some education because what we offer is relevant to their clients. And and right. those are the opportunities I think that nonprofits can learn is there are people we can work with to move our mission. And we just need to take a step back and take that time to say, yeah, I can take an hour out of my day once a week, once a month to go and make some connections. Right. So, and that's one of the things I've always said, if you're a nonprofit, number one, you should be a member because like you said, you can get the help. Mm-hmm. There's volunteers. Look how many members in the chamber sit on boards of local nonprofits or mm-hmm. even just volunteer mm-hmm. at them. Absolutely. You see it everywhere. And it just, it's every time I talk to a nonprofit, that's one of the first things I ask them. Are you a member of the chamber? Mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. And I think it's, it, yeah. you know, it's balancing the cost for membership against the long-term return. And I think sometimes, again, when money's tight, it's hard to see that up front. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just a conversation. And, it, and it's, yeah. you know, I'm happy to talk to whoever. I'm fortunate we're part of a national organization. We have a little bit different structure. But I have worked with a lot of smaller nonprofits. And I do know it, it's the old adage, got to spend money to make money. And you really yeah. do. Now, how long have you actually been a member of the chamber? Um, so organizationally, because we remember prior to mm-hmm. me being on board, I know we've been a member of the chamber, I think, for at least 10 years. Um, okay. My advantage has been that we've been a member for 10 years. We didn't always have somebody who lived in the backyard. So it's a little tougher when you're a member of the chamber and you live in Tassin or something. So um, that's <laughs> been, I think, part of why... I've been able to make more connections is because, you know, people see me everywhere. Unfortunately. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the last time I saw you, you were still wearing yes, that boot. I am out of my boot and mostly a hundred percent. But my, my caution on that to everybody is I've lived the use it or lose it. Uh, you got to keep active. <laughs> Anybody who's yes. like got the sedentary lifestyle like me, once I was off my feet for four weeks, whew, it's tough to come back. <laughs> yeah, I know Santa kind of missed not having, you know, you not being able to yes, see Yes, you lap. would not have wanted that boot in the way. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let the podcaster 
first got a shot off his phone. I oh, know, I forgot. That's okay. <laughs> you, were, you were giving me a hard time. I can edit it. Exactly. It's that, that stupid Google business thing. Oh, yeah, we get that oh, all the time. Uh, I, I don't get those, oh. fortunately. And that's my, that's my office phone. The other thing that cracks me up, I get calls. Oh, yeah, we're calling about, you know, we'd like to know if you want solar panels on, you know, on the roof of your house. It's like, dude, this is a business. Yeah. <laughs> but you notice what I ha- what I haven't been getting a lot lately. And actually, I don't know if you guys get them anymore, but the extended warranty calls. Mm-hmm. No. Have you been getting them lately? You know what? That yeah. I'm realizing I have not seen those much. Very interesting. I'm kind of upset about that. I like messing <laughs> with them. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Nicole, so what is one of your most memorable moments of being, being a member of the, of the chamber? chamber? Um, oh, probably the most recent memorable moment was scraping um, stickers off the wall, off the windows at Ripken Stadium with Heather and uh, Angela last, yeah. last spring. Um, <laughs> what? That is how yes. I met Nikki. I had just started so, at the chamber. It was our first big event of the year, or at least yes, since it I was, was the there. Annual, it was back to the annual and, dinner. Um, and they put yep. stickers on the windows. We were on the club level at Ripken. And they put stickers on the windows and then realized they weren't coming off. So um, the event was wrapping up. And wow. I stayed and helped because this is the PTA mom in me who can't ever leave an event until it is all cleaned up. And so I stayed with a credit card and Gugon um, scraping things off the window. And we greatly appreciated and, it because we would have been there for yes, much longer. So that was probably one of my most memorable moments. Um, I think, I think also I just, I have to say I love the idea on the move with um, Coffee and Connections of rotating through businesses and allowing businesses to host. Yes. Because it's such a wonderful opportunity um, to highlight a business that I may not have really been aware of um, and Mm -hmm. to allow all of the members to have a different view than just someone talking about the Highland School or Jobs Boxing, but to um, to actually go to that location, see it. And it gives you a whole different relationship. And I've referred Jab Boxing to s- several people after going to see the facility. Before that, I don't know if I would have, because I didn't really understand it. Now I'm like, that's the coolest looking right. place. Um, so I do really think that's such a great benefit for members is to have that opportunity to showcase your business. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's, uh, I got to make it to one of them. Cause when I saw it, I was like that, we talked about, it, I think it went in meetings. I said, yeah, and you can idea. edit. Also a good way to get, you new can businesses. edit this out of the podcast, mm-hmm. but, uh, Natalie, I just want you to know that I showed up last Wednesday to the Humane Society, so excited to pet a puppy. And then I walked, I pulled into the parking lot. I'm like, there's only four people here. And then I was like, oh my God, I'm a week early. Oh no. 
I was wondering about that. I, I was like, it. oh, the puppy's just like, I, and I look at my calendar, it says next week. I just had in my brain that I needed to pet puppies that morning. But, yep. And I did not get to, so I was super disappointed. So I will be there <laughs> yeah, no, tomorrow. I'm not going to edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> Just, just a little early. I, you know, it, it's funny because with that, when Aaron was on and I was talking to her, I said, why don't we do something? I said, you need to talk to Angela. Set up something to where members come to the Humane Society mm-hmm. and don't let them leave without adopting a pet. I think my cat would have other ideas about that, but... Yeah, but I think it's, it it's really going to be tough. Is, it really is such a great benefit from the chamber. Um, you know, and that's what I do love about the chamber is you look for these unique ways and the other pieces that you, you work on trying, I see working on trying to move around the county. Um, you know, the, the new library, what is it? The Darlington branch, I guess, up on... Um, which is beautiful. I have not been in there yet, but I will love to stop by there. I missed that one. But you went all the way out in the county. You're going over to Falston. Networking at night was at Bushmill. The fact that you guys are willing to move around the county and really not just focus on Bel Air is really wonderful because I think sometimes people feel like the only thing in the county as Bel Air. And that's not true. There's so many opportunities mm, sure. and you're helping to highlight the different areas. So that's a wonderful benefit as well. Yeah. yeah. You guys just do good yeah. stuff. Well, thank you. Yeah, we try. It's uh, thank you. Yeah, it's great. We have a beautiful county and I love, I love being able to travel around the county. And, and I mean, we even have members like just either just outside of the county and surrounding counties. Um, and I think it's great to be able to highlight what everybody is doing. And I think it encourages people to, you know, yes, we are the Harford County Chamber, but you don't have yes. to be in Harford County mm-hmm. or you don't, you know, mm-hmm. um, you don't have to be, you don't have to fit in this little box, mm-hmm. of, right, of what a, a business looks like in a certain area. Like we welcome everybody. Yeah. Like if you if you just want to come and, and learn and meet new people like that's what we're all about. And we want to make sure that we're highlighting what business looks like everywhere, you know, in all of our different areas. Exactly. Yeah. And COVID was proof that you can actually expand your business from your location because everybody mm-hmm. went virtual. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, so they're proof right there. I think the world is so connected anymore that you can't be in the box. You have to understand mm-hmm. what's happening all around you. And I mean, you look at Cecil County and this great wolf opening and, what is that? What's the dynamic there that's going to impact our county? Because they don't have a whole lot of good restaurants over there. <laughs> you know, not close by. So does that mean people are going to be heading yeah, to Harvard to get food or, you know, down 95 and go, what's this neat place? What's in Aberdeen? There's a lot of stuff in Aberdeen. Um, so mm-hmm. it, it's, it's viewing ourselves as, as local citizens in the global arena. Absolutely. Natalie, you have anything else for Nicole? I would just like to ask if you want to, if you could expand upon um, some of the legislative efforts that you guys have been working on. Cause I didn't know that. Um, 
So. Yeah, so we actually have, our pillars are, um, we do care and support, we do advocacy, we do fundraising, obviously, our development work to have the resources, and then we do research. And under the advocacy um, arm, we spend a lot of time focusing both locally and nationally on legislation around um, like education for caregivers mm -hmm. in um, facilities right. because you are just seeing this incredible uptick in the number of people with dementia and they need to be treated differently than somebody who is cognitive mm. and they're the challenges they present are much different and so cnas and rnas and nurses and those all need to really understand dementia behaviors in order to provide quality care you know 40 years ago people were warehoused mm -hmm. in nursing homes yeah we have we are we are not fully away but we have come leaps and bounds away from that and part of that is due to a different understanding of care and people advocating on behalf of seniors to say they need a quality of life. They don't mm -hmm. just need to be strapped into a wheelchair and hooked to a bar in a nursing home. Um, that's really kind of cruel mm -hmm. and unusual. So we focus again um, on the state level. We are doing a lot of work on increasing funding for local offices on aging to help provide support and resources to get um, health departments to recognize that dementia is a public health mm. crisis. And it really is at this point. Um, and so that's where a lot of, you know, we focus on some different things, but that's where a lot of it. And right now, um, nationally, our focus is on getting the Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services to um, reconsider the decision on not covering these right. drugs. Our national level advocacy takes the form of a lot of pushing for increased funding for research to find these drugs that we need to have. Once we get these drugs, people should be mm -hmm. able to access mm -hmm. them. So we do have a, we have a really, really strong lobbying and legislative group just took 700 um, advocates from around the country to Washington. To That's great. And among them were a number of people with early stage Alzheimer's and dementia. Mm -hmm. and, you know, we have these people who are in their mid fifties who basically can't work now because they've been given a diagnosis of early stage dementia or early onset dementia. And, you know, they're caught, there's people who are caught in that gap. Yeah. They're 55 years old. They can't qualify for um, Medicare, but they don't qualify for Medicaid. Right. What do they do? You know, there's a, there's a woman in the county. She works at Kohl's. She can't leave her job because her husband had, was diagnosed at like 55 mm. and then daughter getting ready, his senior mm. in college and they are senior in high school, I should say. She ended up going off to college, but this woman could not, cannot leave her job because she carries benefits mm. because they're in a gap. So we're working to try and ensure that people aren't stuck there, yes. that their coverage, you know, they cover this disease and it's, it's not disabling in the same way some other diseases are, but 
it's a yeah. huge impact. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's just a really nutshell yeah. piece of what we do. But um, we we feel strongly that we need to be the advocate for those who can. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's incredible. I always try to encourage people to see the importance of advocacy because a lot of times you don't. Yes. I think a lot of times people just don't think about it until we're smacked with a crisis. And then we're like, oh, uh oh, now what? <laughs> you know, somebody should have done something. Right, exactly. And that's, you know, it's kind of this in between where, you know, things, I mean, things aren't great, but, you know, things could be a whole lot worse. Like we need to do something now mm-hmm. before they get worse. Um, so, yeah, thank you for sharing that. I just always want to try to highlight the, the hard work that people are doing that might go unnoticed otherwise. Thank you. And we do appreciate that. And it, I mean, that sort of is what it comes down to for us as an organization is we want to be there before people need us. Mm -hmm. We want to be there for those who feel like they have no other way to turn. Because we know so many people, you know, nowadays people don't live, used to be everybody lived in the same place, Mm -hmm. your family, you know, you grew up here, your parents lived there, your siblings all lived there. We don't have that anymore. And so people need to find their new family in a sense. They need to find those people they can turn to when they need support. And that's what we try and be with our 800 number is, you know, that immediate support. And then we try and connect them locally. And I will share, we have a a thing called a memory cafe in the county, um, the second Tuesday of the month at Miller's Ale House. It's an early stage engagement activity. The whole purpose of the activity is to allow people with dementia and their caregivers to come together in a social setting. And they have a facilitator for the meeting um, who shares a relevant topic, maybe 10 minutes and talks about something. And we have a sponsor for the cafe who will come in and they're the ones that actually cover the cost of the lunch for the people who are part of it. And um, they get to share some about their business. We recently had um, one of the local care communities come in and they sponsored and they shared what they could offer. Um, But I had a woman, we had 42 people, I think it was at our March event, Wow! which was huge, so much bigger. I mean, these used to be 16 people. And I had a woman who came with her husband and she said her husband was grousing and I don't want to go, I don't want to go. And she said, this is as much for me as it is for you. This is her opportunity as a caregiver to have social interaction. And I thought, that's heartbreaking. Yeah. That she didn't, but this group gets together outside of their support group or their memory cafe. And I thought, that's wonderful is that they've created their own network. Mm -hmm. We helped to facilitate a connection and they created their network. And, and that's what we try and do. We know people are struggling for resources and we know connection is so invaluable. I mean, we all learned that over the pandemic. If you don't have connection, Mm -hmm. there's a void. And that's what, you know, that's what we provide. That's what the chamber provides. The chamber provides that platform for connection virtually in person with a lot of fun stuff (laughs) and a lot of important information. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Nicole, tell everybody the website again. 
I will tell you the website, and I'm going to give you the 800 number. I was going to ask for that next. (laughs) The 800 number is available 24-7-365. If you call with a concern related to Alzheimer's or dementia or caregiving or anything, you are routed to a master's level social worker. Um, It is, we have people who know what they're talking about. And that's why we encourage people to call. And if it's 3 a.m. and you're struggling, call. Mm -hmm. Someone is on the other end of the line. So the 800 number is 800-272-3900. Again, 800-272-3900. And the website, the easiest website is alz.org. You can find our chapter information from that website. That's our main landing page. And there's a ton of information. Any question you have about Alzheimer's or dementia or caregiving or walk or longest day, you can find information on that site. Well, thank you so much, Trivia Queen. <laughs> I appreciate it. God, we got. And we are gonna have to. We're gonna be like the the chamber. What do we? What's a good name for a trivia team? Um, Nicole's the, team. The, the, <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure out something. I'm gonna figure out something. We're going to come up with a good chamber team name. We're going to throw it out there and get like, I think you can usually have up to six people. We're going to go rep the chamber at nice. some of these local trivias. Love it. I th- I, I'm all over it. I think if you just say Nicole's team, everybody will get scared and won't show up. <laughs> <laughs> nah, no. I will say we did McGurk's for the um, Harry Potter trivia they did a couple of years ago. And I thought, oh, it was really funny then. And they, they made a drink. They had a signature cocktail that they lit on fire. And it was the coolest thing in the world because I'm total sucker for stuff like that. That's awesome. But we went to this and I thought, I know everything. My daughter knows everything. We've read all the books. We said, holy crap, these people were a whole new level. <laughs> like their stuff, the, the stuff they knew, I was like, Damn, I don't even remember reading any of that. They knew the books, forwards, backwards, and inside out. So theme trivias, I might not be so good at. But general trivia, my brain's full of useless knowledge. I don't know diddly about Harry You're Potter. the music man, though. You're the music man. Well, it's, Rich knows music. It's some old TV series. Mm-hmm. But anything after the 80s, forget it. <laughs> but that's... So that's the beauty of doing trivia as a team Yeah, is that we can go in there and work, play to everyone's strengths. So everybody's got an area that they're good at and we can, I mean, we will like be, we will annihilate the others. I'm not competitive. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Let's do it. I'm going to make that happen. Do it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Hartford Business Beat. If you're a member of the chamber and you would like to come on the podcast, just contact me. Email rbennett, that's two N's, two T's, at harfordcountyliving.com. Again, rbennett at harfordcountyliving.com. Or you can find me on Facebook or LinkedIn. And we'll go ahead and get it scheduled and get you set up so you can come on. You can tell everybody about your business. Whether they're in the chamber or not, they're going to find out more about you. Again, rbennett at harfordcountyliving.com. Until next time, my name is Rich Bennett with Harford County Living. Stay safe and stay busy.